Good morning. So we've had tears, now we had laughter. Today is Pro-Life Sunday. I'm not preaching on that, but you saw an insert of the worship guide when you came in. And we're a heavy pro-life church. We give heavily to First Choice. Uh, executive director and the bookkeeper all go to church here. And, uh, man, we just believe in rescuing lives for the sake and the glory of God. Amen? And so uh, that thing's about the masterpiece, and I think that's what kids are. I think that's what we are. And uh, matter of fact, when I was watching that video, I thought of several of you. I, I saw Ron Beckowitz. <laughs> I could see him doing something like that. I saw, uh, just, I, I started just kind of thinking about y'all's names and your kids and kind of mischievous things you might do. Well, this morning, turn over in the Bible to the book of Ephesians, second chapter, first 10 verses, 1 through 10. Could have called this uh, message today a lot of different titles. I could have almost called it Under New Management. Uh, we put down there this morning the, the Great Intervention. Uh, just, you know, a, a lot of different titles come to mind. But here's the thing. He, he, he steps in here, and we've been talking about, this is the third week in Ephesians. He's talking about some doctrinal things, and then he moves into practical living in the last three chapters of Ephesians. But he's trying to get us set up for what he has and who we are and these descriptive titles that we see here in Ephesians. It's uh, the treasure house of the Lord. We see these great riches that we've been talking about over these weeks that we find in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, there's no doubt you think about the Grand Canyon, man. That is one of the rich, beautiful, majestic masterpieces of God. Uh, I was looking at this, 277 miles long, 18 miles wide, uh, over a mile deep. All I know is the immensity of that huge canyon hole that goes in the ground. How many of you have ever seen the Grand Canyon? Raise your hands if you have. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And even when you fly over and you see that great chasm in the earth, you're like, oh my goodness, what a God. You know, it makes me think of this story that I read about this one, uh, these three guys that were uh, just kind of caught up. They were standing at the rim. They were looking at the men. One was an artist and he looked at it. He goes, oh my goodness, it's, it's magnificent. He says, I, I want to capture this on, on painting on canvas. I, I want to paint this. And the second guy, he, he's a pastor. He goes, oh my goodness, what the, the inspired handiwork of God. I mean, it's just all inspiring. I, I, I can't get over it. And the third guy, he was a cowboy. And he looked at it and he was listening. And he says, man, what a terrible place to lose a cow. Okay, some of you guys, like, man, that's kind of weak. All right, that's my joke for the day, okay? Hey, it, it's just fun to watch you laugh or watch somebody smile. I've been, you know, doing a lot of other. So as we look at this, we're looking at this book of Ephesians and who we are in Jesus Christ and what we have as believers that have a great inheritance. And this means something to me every day that I walk with Jesus. But right now, this morning, because it's so raw and real and fresh, it means even more today than it meant yesterday or last year. And next year, I assume it's going to be even more meaningful because I'm going to be that much closer and so do you to taking your journey with God. You know, here in Ephesians chapter 2, he starts off as kind of glim. It's kind of like, wow guilt could settle in he just talks about the nasty situation that we find ourselves that humanity is in a terrible place the plight the condition is deplorable it's not looking real good but what he tries to paint a picture of is why why we need a savior you know a lot of times we're like man i don't, I don't know if i need saving oh you do and when you get so tired of yourself and so tired of your sin and so tired of your guilt and your flesh and your wrongdoings and wanting to do something with them, and then the grace of God awakens your heart, new life begins. 
Oh, I, I love that thing. It's like, so look, look here with me in chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, let's talk about all of us. For, uh, as for us, you were dead in your transgressions, trespasses, and sins. So I, I think I wrote it right here. I tried to outline a lot of this for you. What we were dead in our transgressions and sins, right in this blank, consider your past. Now, this morning, hopefully you're in Christ. So you have to look back and go, that's what I was. I was dead. No life. Nothing of God in me. But then I was awakened by the grace and the mercy of Christ. And I became alive. And he talks about being alive here in a minute. And so we're, we're dead. We're, we're sick. We're hopeless. We, we need this grace. We're without Christ. We have a great void. I remember trying to fill that void. I, I came to Christ at 19 but I still, and I love it when people come to Christ early. My, 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 my daughters came to Jesus early. I, I love that. I wish I had their testimony. Mine has a lot more sin and being tainted by the things of this world that I ran after. But then I found Jesus. And I don't know what your story is, and it's never too late. Isn't that great news, church, that it's never too late to receive Christ? Amen? But it, as you get later and later, I do believe this after pastoring 36 years. Your heart gets hard. It gets calloused. You know those calluses on your feet? Anybody know what I'm talking about? They get hard, don't they? And our hearts get the same way. If we don't allow them to be pliable, sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. So why we need salvation? Because we're, we're basically dead. Because I've told you so many times, because we were born with a sin nature. When Adam partook of the fruit, when he chose to do that, Man, this sin entered the world. Humanity got messed up, depraved. You can write out the word depravity. Nobody likes the word depravity. I mean, it's just marred, sinful, wicked, without Christ. And so we're, we're born spiritually dead. We're, here it is, we're DOA. We're dead on arrival, basically, when, when we get here. But man, thanks be to the mercy of Christ, the love that gets lavished on us in, in Christ. That we have an opportunity to get born again, to get, to get new, to, to change the, the nature of our life. To get a, a, the Apostle Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? A new creation. The old has left, gone. The new has come. That new, that new is the resident of, of Christ, the resident Holy Spirit that comes to give us new life. Is this, this trespass. It, it acts like it knows no boundaries, but it does. And this willful or unwillful obedience, disobedience that we have, it just messes us up. But then we, we come into Christ, we receive Christ, we become alive. How awesome. It's like, look, look at verse 2 here. He says, in which you used to walk in these ways of the way you live, when you followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom, the heir, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You, you walked away. You you meandered. Isn't that a great word? We don't use that word very much either, do we? Meandering. We're just kind of meandering through life with aimless purpose and possibility and just doing our thing, trying to, trying to make our mark through fame or fortune or education or riches or possessions or whatever, you know, just something. We're, we're just we're, we're meandering. <laughs> we're lost. But I love that song that we sang this morning. But amazing grace when grace awakens a heart, I, I just wrote down the thought here, we're dead in sin, we're disobedient, influenced by Satan, we're depraved by the flesh, by the flesh, we're doomed, 
is children of wrath. Now, nobody likes to hear about being children of wrath and sin and, and cursing and, and just wickedness. I mean, that, that's like, man, that's, that, that's horrible. But in this verse I read to you there in verse 2, we're dominated by three sinister influences that come against our life. You know what they are? Write them down. The world, the devil, and the flesh. Let's say it with me. The world, the devil, and the flesh. And those three influences have great power in us and over us until we die to our flesh, till we die to self and receive the gospel, till we receive Christ. This whole thing, the world, the world blows, the world dominates the world's view, the world viewpoint. You have a worldview, you have a Christian worldview when you come to Christ, but it just kind of orientates us to, to follow that. All right, here it is, 1977. Let's go back to 76. That's my senior year, first semester, second semester, 77. I am dominated by the world. I don't know Jesus. I meet him the next winter, 78, but I don't know that. In 77, I'm as lost as lost. I say I'm as lost as the proverbial Easter egg. You know what I'm saying? Pastor, long brown curly hair. Now dream with me here, okay? Crazy. 180 pounds of solid muscle run, worked out all the time. I know. Dream with me, like I said. That wasn't funny, okay? Bell bottoms, platform shoes, silk shirts, staying alive. You know what I'm saying? That was our music. And I would cut the rug and hit the dance floors all the time. I loved to dance. Did just to this day, I go when I do weddings and they have bands and stuff, I teach people to pretzel. I just like to dance. I just because I got saved, I mean I can't, can't dance. Amen. And now some of y'all looking at me going, man. But here's why I told you that story. Because I wanted you to laugh. No, here's why I told you. I was dominated by the world system I lived in. And it said, you should wear this and you will be cool. I used to go downtown and shop for my silk shirts. And we'll just leave it at that, okay? It was crazy. And man, I, I can remember. And, and then, you know, and to this day, I still have world influences, good or bad, like you do. But you see what I'm saying? Does the world have influence and power? Absolutely. I mean, today it might be piercing, it might be tattoos, it might be whatever. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what it is. It's just the world has. But then the devil, the prince of the air, he's the god of this age. He comes to, uh, the Greek word is energizo. It means to what? To energize. He energizes the human race. He energizes us in a great way. We, people run rampant. They're... they're uh, they're, they're bound by the enemy. Like right now, did you know there's all kind of signals flowing through this room? Can everybody see them? Do you see all the waves that are coming right now from the sound booster right here that's giving me mic, a mic so I can amplify my voice? Do y'all see all those waves coming right now? Do you think they're there? Do you think they're working? Yeah, they're here. All right. Do you think, do you see Satan? Don't look at somebody and go, yeah, I think she just sat next to me or he did. No, 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 no. Do you think Satan's here? Yeah, he's alive in this world. Did y'all hear you say, yes, he is? That's right. But greater is he that is in me than what? 
than he that is in the world. Amen. So we, we trust Christ. We, we find security, satisfaction in him. Look here. Move on down with it. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and its thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath. We're just uh, we're, uh, sucked into the world system, if you will. And even when you come to Christ, you have to fight the flesh. You have to fight the devil in the world system every day. It's, you, you, have to, you have to feed that nature of Christ. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the, so the flesh, it's, it's that selfish magnet within us that we're drawn to. We're drawn to the things of this world, the things that aren't of God. You know, Adam and Eve, we're in the same gene pool of, of them. I mean, Cain and Abel, you know, kids there. I mean, they, they had that. I mean, they were identical. and they, uh, Cain and Abel couldn't definitely not blame it on their environment, could they? I mean, they're like first up to the plate there. And yet, this sin, this uh, Adamic sin nature has come forth because of mom and dad, and they inherit it. But I like it that God doesn't leave us there. He allows us to be inheritors of the kingdom of light. Isn't that good news? Light. Eternity. With Jesus. Man, that's, that's what we're hoping for. Uh, that, that contrast that I'm trying to give you. And you remember when you got engaged and maybe you went down and you wanted to buy a stone, and, and they figured out how to make a stone look better. They give it a contrast. They put it on a black velvet, and you put the stone on there, and what does it look like? It looks larger than it really is. And it shines in an impeccable manner. Over the years, I've always laughed about young women that get engaged. Now, our sanctuary, it's, it's high-tech, a lot of lights and screens, so it doesn't do as well in here. But, but you can. I, I know where I used to go to church, I would watch girls in service, and I would look over, and they would quit, and it wasn't me preaching. And, and they would, although you do it on my preaching too, and they would look over, and they would do this often. They would be playing with a light in the room to see how that ring would dazzle, how brilliant it was. Well, I mean, that's what Satan does, man. He puts out things to dazzle, to try to disguise, to try to get us to pull in. But here, move with me. But here in verse 4. But, but, that's key. Circle the word but in your Bible. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But, circle it. I've been, I've been reading Jan's Bible this week. Spent a lot of time in it this morning. I've been looking at what she underlined, what she marked. <laughs> but, but I'm looking here. Circle but. But because of his great love for us. Oh, I love that. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Man, I, I, this section coming in a minute, starting in verse 8, I think is some of the richest sections of all of God's holy word. But even this starts the precursor to get us to see the incomparable riches of his grace. I try every weekend to describe the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus. And I do a poor job. I try with illumination, with power, with example, with the word. But it just my words are just inferior to how great the love of Christ is. But between worship and prayers and the word and song, somehow it gives me a little stronger picture of how incredible this love is that God rescues, that God initiates. Let me get you to write some words down on, on your worship. God, these are just words that, uh, you know, we learn them real early in seminary. We learn them real early as Christians, but they are uh, foundational. So write down the word justice. Justice means I get what I deserve. That's justice. God's a just God. I want you to write down the word mercy. Mercy means 
I don't get what I deserve. You know, when you were failing in school and you went to your teacher and you hung out and you go, have mercy on me. Anybody do that besides me and Mark Hartley? Okay. Sorry, Mark. I just threw you under the bus. I know you probably are too smart, but I went there for a little mercy sometimes. Okay. And look at grace. You know what grace is? Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. All right. Let's set it up this way. When Jimmy, where's Jimmy? Jimmy, you in the room still? Our drummer? Did he have to leave? I think I just called him out. Okay, all right, well, we'll, we'll really pick on him now because he's not here. Jimmy is one of Montgomery's finest. And let's say you leave church, and let's say this week about Tuesday, you're riding down the road and you're speeding, and Jimmy shows up and he pulls you over, and he goes, I was just greeting Christ community members. No, he pulls his pad out and he writes you a ticket. That is justice, okay? But let's say Jimmy was having a particularly good day, and he had just heard this message by Pastor Keith. And he said, I tell you what I'm going to do, Blake. I'm going to write a warning ticket for you. That's, you know what I'm saying? Is that not mercy? You, you don't get what you deserve? But here's grace, and we never see grace. Let's say Jimmy really just got overwhelmed his heart, and let's say that Robert got stopped. And he goes up to Robert, he goes, Robert, you are 25 miles an hour over the speed limit. I have to write you a ticket. And he writes it. And you go, please don't. And he goes, I have to. And he writes him a ticket. And, and Robert goes, but could you please write me a warning? Tell us would be so much happier. He goes, can't. Write her one too. But he writes a ticket. And he gives it to Robert. And Robert wants to give a, a blessing, but he's having a hard time. But then Jimmy does the strangest thing. Jimmy holds his hand out and says, Robert, give that ticket back to me. Huh? give it back to me and he pulls out his own personal wallet and he gets the money 100 i know because i've had a speeding ticket 191 dollars the one i had stop it i won't tell you how fast i was driving i hadn't had any sense i've really slowed down it hurt and he gives 191 dollars he says robert here's 191 dollars you go pay the ticket that's grace how many policemen ever done that for you it ain't gonna happen okay i mean it might but i, I doubt it but God's just, and God's merciful, and he lavishes love on us. He, he, uh, I just love where he says, he made us alive with Christ when we were dead. Therefore, he gives us citizenship, one passage says, in heaven. You know, we're citizens of heaven when we're born again. We're citizens of this country. We're citizens of this community. But then we get to be citizens of, of heaven where the streets are gold, we live forever, there's light, there's Christ forever. G great. Let me move down here with you, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ, he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Let's stop there. Right this morning, if you're in Christ, you're seated in heavenly places. I know you're saying, I don't feel like it, I don't act like it, but positionally the scripture teaches you are. And then verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I love that. This God's grace is kindness toward the undeserving. Man, I'm a candidate for the undeserving. And so are you, friend. We receive this grace through faith. Nothing more, nothing less. It's just amazing. But here, I want, you to, I want you to look here with me. Look here in verse 8. I'm having to move a little quicker because we had some extended awesome times of worship. Look at verse 8. Now, this right here, 
if you've got your Bible, take your pen and square this in. Verses 8 through 10, square it. Go back later, highlight it, mark it, memorize it, meditate upon it. Let it captivate. Listen to these words. Oh, thank you for these words, Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I, I love this passage here. God's riches. Here it is. Now, if you've been to the church, you've heard this, but maybe you're new or you haven't ever heard this, so you need to hear it. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Man, that's grace. And God wants to give that to you. What is grace? Grace is that unmerited love, favor of God that God gives to you and you can't earn it. Now, I know in school, in life, you say, go earn your grade, work hard in school, earn your grades. You go to your job, you go earn your wage. You earn it. We're taught as Americans, let's, let's pull ourselves up, let's earn it. But when it comes to the matter of the heart, when it comes to the matter of eternity with a holy God, man, we're hopeless trying to do anything. We can't earn anything. We can't do enough. We can't, uh, we can't feed enough poor. We can't clothe enough poor. We can't forgive enough people. We can't love enough. We can't give enough. You just can't, you're just stuck. But God doesn't leave us there. I love that. He, he pours out mercy because grace costs Jesus everything and i think it cost us this that then we surrender and we give up living our life as we intend and we say god i want you to be now the the leader i want you to be the ceo i want you to be the motivator i want to i want to trust you but you know it's like a lifeguard when you're out swimming and you're drowning a person has to give up moving their arms and going crazy and being ecstatic to give up all their weight and fight to surrender to the aid of a lifeguard to be rescued. I remember when I was about 18 years old rescuing a young girl at the beach down at Seagrove. This is back when Seagrove was all country. It was hard anything. We could actually sand ski on the beaches of a Seagrove. You'd get behind a, a blazer and we'd pull you on a ski and ski in the sand. I was always skiing in the water and I thought that was pretty cool. Today you can't do that. They call it illegal. But I, but I remember out there one day and there was this girl, and uh, imagine PK with a girl, and, uh, and uh, so I'm out there, and uh, we're swimming, and we come in, and I get caught in the undercurrent, in the undertow, and I make it back to shore, and I look out, and her sister is bobbing. <laughs> in other words, she's going down, and I remember going back out, and I thought, man, and I'm, in, I'm in really good shape at this point, not like today. I'd probably have a massive just trying to get back, but, uh, but I get out there, and I get her, and as soon as I get there, she grabs my head and she uses the buoy and she pulls it under. Now, wait a minute, I have lots of hair, okay? So she pulls my hair. And then we came up. And I remember looking at this girl. I've never done this since. And I hope I never do it again. But I looked her in the eyes. I said, Stop it. I'm fixing to knock your lights out. We are going to drown right now if you stop, if you don't stop fighting. And her eyes, I, I can still see them. They got huge. She went limp. We went in. And, and, and after that, I thought, would I have tattooed her? I, I don't know. I might have. All I know, have you ever been in a situation where you thought you were going to lose your life? 
Yeah, your mind does weird things. But here's the picture here. We're just trying to save ourselves. We're trying, we have to give up. We have to give up the holy God. He wants to rescue us. Grace baffles us. Grace baffles me this morning, and I've been studying this for 40 years. I get grace through a relationship with a Savior, and I get rescued because God initiates. I didn't choose God. God chose me. What an amazing God. Grace means God sees me as chosen in Christ. Grace means that God sees me rescued in Christ. Grace means God sees me adopted in Christ that we covered earlier in this study. Grace means God sees me honored in Christ. So I look at that, the gift of spiritual life. He's rich in mercy. Verse 5, he made us alive. Look at verse 6 on your outline. He raises up with Christ. Verse 7, he showed the exceeding riches of his grace. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. Remember what I said? You can't do anything about it. You just cannot earn it. Isaiah 30, 18, write this verse down. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. The Lord can't wait to extend his grace to you and me. I love that. We, I, I would say this. It'll come up on the outline. We are complete in Jesus Christ. The whole series is called Complete in Christ. That's what Scripture teaches. We get completed in the finished work of the Savior through faith alone, not in our works, trusting in Him. But I want you to move to this because i got to wrap this up. In verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. We are God's, one translation says, we are God's masterpiece. Look here on the outline. For we are God's workmanship, masterpiece, poema, which means we are God's poem. Write it in. We are God's poem. God writes his story in our life, in our hearts, by grace. And we're that wonderful masterpiece that God is shaping and building and developing for his glory, for his honor, for a witness for him. He creates us. It's like this whole thing of today being pro-life. God weaves us as children. He knits us together, the scripture says, in the womb of our mother, a masterpiece of God spiritually god is weaving god has given you and i gifts and when we use our spiritual gifts for the glory of christ the church gets formed it gets shaped it gets fashioned it becomes who it's supposed to be the canvas of our life means something to god we glorify god with our gifts now look at this i want you to go back to verse 10 we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus it didn't say by it says to do good works It's Christ in us that does those works. But we're created for that purpose, to honor him. And and that's what I pray, that, man, good works are going to follow you all the days of your life because you're asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you, to work in you. In Psalm 139, write it down, Psalm 139. Jeremy, if you'll come on the piano on this. Psalm 139, verse 16. Listen to these words. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me, were written in your book. Before one of them came to be but i am fearfully and wonderfully made i am your masterpiece in this morning because of the subject of this passage and of the testimony of my life in these current days as i'm walking life i'm just i was reminded this week of this i've said this to so many people but last night and this morning as i'm sitting there looking at jan i'm thinking her days were ordained in the book of God. 
He had ordained the exact number of days that she would draw breath and live and have life. He's a great God. He's given her 81 years. Yesterday, her twin brother came up to see her and she just couldn't wake up and broke my heart. But I looked at this man and I looked at her. And you don't know this, but Jan is five minutes older than her twin. Five minutes older. When Jan was born, she was a little bitty baby and she had an aunt that was a nurse. She took a shoebox. It was an incubator back in 36. And she put her with that little lamp and she nursed her to health. And I'm so glad that she had life. Because she gave birth to a precious woman that I'm crazy about. So this morning we come to this end. Grace, amazing grace. I stand by hospital beds all the time. But this one's a little different, folks. This is my mom. See, my mom was killed at nine. My stepmom died several years ago. This lady's been a mom to me. I've done lots of things with her. When we have our celebration, when Jesus calls her home, you come. I'll tell you more of this story. But here's what I pray today. That you love this Jesus. That you love him. You commit your life to him. You'll never regret. I've never regretted one millisecond of receiving this Christ. Because he's had me on a journey. I love my God. I'll praise him with all my being. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? And people always say, man, when you do these funerals of hope and resurrection, I want one like that. And Susan will tell you, I tell people this all the time. I've told Sandy, I've told everybody else, then live like a believer. <laughs> Follow Jesus. He'll bless your days. Hey, today, man, we're going to pray. We're going to leave out of here. I got a meeting and I'm going to go home. And I just pray that you would pray for a sweet release for her and a sweet strength for my wife but guys i love you man i know i was real personal today <laughs> that's tough i'm a pastor i have a personal relationship with a mighty savior amen i just happen to be her son but i'm also her pastor i love you church i tell you something all the time i want you to hear you've probably never heard me say it before or you probably heard it but today you're going to hear it i have one goal that you know Jesus and you know him better. And here's what I tell you. Listen, write it down. Write it down today. Write it down. Write it in your Bible. I want to see it in your Bible one day. I want to get you home with joy. I just want to get you home with joy in the blessed Savior. That's what this life is about. Eternity with King Jesus. Lord, I'm grateful for your amazing presence and your grace that changes lives God, draw us near. Draw hearts today. God, as people watch on the internet, draw people to the throne. God, whoever needs this word today, God, breathe life in Jesus into them. Make us masterpieces for your glory. And God's people gathered and said, Amen. Y'all turn the lights back up.